This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. This morning we come to consider a subject from the Bible about which I'm sure many people have never heard a sermon. In spite of a great number of Bible references to this subject, I must admit that I have never heard a sermon from any other preacher on this subject either. As we continue today our examination of the sins of our day, using the list of what is commonly designated as the seven deadly sins, we come this morning to the sixth of these, the sin of gluttony. The fact that this particular sin has been one on which I have announced that I would preach, yet the response from most people would suggest that this is really a joke, or at least it brings a smile. We talk about overeating, overindulgence in food, and yet we really don't take seriously any suggestion that there's sin involved in this. There are countless jokes and wisecracks about eating and dieting, You have probably heard the phrase which reveals the dilemma of the person who says, everything I like is either illegal, immoral, or fattening. I don't know who wrote this, but some unknown author paraphrased the 23rd Psalm in these words. He entitles this, the 23rd pound. My appetite is my shepherd. I always want. It maketh me to sit down and stuff myself. It leadeth me to my refrigerator repeatedly. It leadeth me in the path of Burger King for a whopper. It destroyeth my shape. Yea, though I knoweth, I gaineth, I will not stop eating. For the food tasteth so good. The ice cream and cookies, they comfort me. When the table is spread before me, it exciteth me. For I knoweth that soon I shall dig in as I fill my plate continuously. My clothes runneth smaller. Surely bulges and excess weight shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will be fat forever. Well, you remember the name perhaps of Ogden Nash. He put it quite clearly, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. That's any fun at all for humanity. Another person asks, why is it that the things you enjoy most are always sin? Well, you battle with this sin and that sin in your life, and you're grateful that you do achieve some small degree of victory over these. And then some preacher comes along who tells you that another sin you must reckon with is the sin of gluttony. No wonder the the response of many people to this subject is, oh, come now, you can't be serious, preacher. Or, aren't there a lot of other sins much worse than this one? Many years ago, there lived a group of people who had the mistaken idea that if a person refrained from food or fasted and went around with a long face, then this person was certainly deeply spiritual. But there came along a person who said that this idea was all wrong. He said that to deny yourself of certain pleasures in life 
did not necessarily make a person any holier or more spiritual. In fact, he said, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That's John 10, 10. We're greatly mistaken if we think that everything in life which is pleasurable is sin. Well, if this be true, you might ask, well, how can you say that it can be a sin to eat? Here's where we must make a distinction. Eating is not a sin. Gluttony is. Okay, then, why is gluttony a sin? Let's look at a few reasons. One, gluttony is a perversion of natural God-given appetite. We must remember that sin does not have to be some open, flagrant transgression. Sin is rather often the distortion, the twisting, the perversion of something which is good. For example, sleep. That's necessary for any person. But the one who sleeps all day long is lazy or maybe sick. How about self-respect? That's something which every person should have. But too much of this inordinate self-love, we've already seen, is the root of many sins. How about hunger? That's a God-given appetite which lets us know that food is needed for our physical bodies. But then we let this get out of control by overeating and we move into the realm of gluttony, which is sin. Gluttony then is a perversion of something good, which God has given to us. How serious is this sin? Some say it's not very serious when you compare it with other sins. But the Bible places gluttony right alongside some other sins that we do consider to be very serious. Look at Proverbs 23, verse 21. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. There's an interesting parallel between gluttony and alcoholism. A noted expert in the field of alcoholism, Dr. Robert Solomon, who I'm not sure if he is now, but at, at one time he was the chairman of the South Carolina Medical Association Committee on Alcoholism and Drug Addiction. Dr. Solomon says, in most textbook descriptions of obesity and alcoholism, the words food and alcohol can almost be exchanged for each other in the context of the definition. How is this? Well, for one thing, both of these people are mouth people. That is, activities of their mouth serve an important function to them. They eat or drink when nervous, worried, idle, bored, or tired. Also, overeating and overdrinking becomes a reward to these people. Because of hardships of life or for difficult circumstances, they feel that they deserve food or a drink. And thus they rush off to eat or drink as sort of a purple heart for living. Another observation, in both alcoholism and obesity, the person develops a problem which he seeks to overlook in methods which add to the same problem. The alcoholic finds himself involved in a situation and 
often drinks to forget it all. The foodaholic finds that obesity is not accepted by society, and this creates even greater psychological pressures, which he seeks to solve by often eating more. There are many people guilty of the sin of gluttony who are quick to condemn others for their sins. It's so easy for the one who gorges his body on food to look at a person who gorges himself on alcohol and then say, Lord, I thank thee that I'm not as other people are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this publican. That's from Matthew, uh, from Luke 18, verse 11. Yes, it's so easy for the person who is enslaved by his stomach to condemn the person who is enslaved by drink. But in God's sight, sin is sin. And there should be no comfort for either of these people who are guilty. Okay, let's back up a moment. I have said that gluttony is a sin because it is a perversion of something good. There's another reason why gluttony is a sin. It is a physical expression which suggests that materialism is God. Gluttony laughs at restraints and it cries, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Billy Graham once told of a man who weighed nearly 300 pounds with whom he had breakfast one morning. The man ate, among other things, an entire lemon chiffon pie. And when the evangelist mentioned that he should be losing weight, the man gave a hearty laugh and spread some more butter on his toast. This kind of philosophy of life says, you live only once, so live it up. Jesus gave us the classic example of this and the man who said, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. That references from Luke chapter 12, verses 18 and 19. And we see and hear this philosophy everywhere today. The emphasis is upon comfort, ease, satisfaction, no need to have any pain, enjoy life more. But the problem is that many of these voices we hear do not go on to tell us how we can have this for which we so desperately seek, through self-discipline, not through a frantic rush toward ease and plenty. The Romans, before the fall of, Roman, of Rome, were guilty of three major sins, gluttony, immorality, and drunkenness. One has said the Romans dug their graves with their teeth. They killed themselves by immoral practices. Then they embalmed themselves with alcoholic drink. It is said that at the Romans' great feasts, it was a common sight to see a person rush to a window, eject the contents of his stomach, and then return to the banquet table for further gorging on food. And while we may not think of going to such extremes as that, yet there are those of us who really need to re-examine our own lives in relationship to this sin of gluttony. No individual or nation 
which gives itself continually to the selfish desires of the flesh, can ever hope to have the smile of God. Rome overstuffed her body, but starved her soul. We have people all around us in every community who have not gone hungry in years physically, but whose souls are so pitifully starved that they don't even experience hunger pangs anymore. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It's Matthew 4, 4. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians, there are many whose way of life make them enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Appetite is their God and they glory in their shame. Other translations have that last phrase, whose God is their belly. Well, why does a person overeat? Well, to begin with, there's within a person a desire, a seeking, a yearning, even a craving. Food does not satisfy that yearning completely, but it does seem to help, at least temporarily. When we are disgusted or irritated about something, then is a time when we are far more likely to give way to our pet indulgence, whatever it may be. It could be eating or drinking or smoking or immorality. Uh, there may be a number of ways in which we try to shore up our distressed spirits. We want to get rid of the pain, be it physical, emotional, or both. But all these things are actually substitutes which do not get down to the real heart of our problem, whatever it is. And so we begin to understand that the answer to our problem lies not in dieting for overeating, not in moderation for drinking alcohol, not in fewer cigarettes for excessive smoking, not in trying to live a little cleaner for immorality, that's not the answer to any of these problems. Rather, the answer to all of these sin problems in our life must be found in a person who can solve the underlying problem for us. And that problem is a wrong relationship with God. Any sin against our bodies is a sin against God because that body in which you now live does not really belong to you. It belongs to God. He made it, and He has let you borrow it for a little while. And if you abuse that body by any means, then you're defiling something which really doesn't belong to you. The Bible makes that very clear. You surely know that your body is a temple where the Holy Spirit lives. The Spirit is in you and is a gift from God. You're no longer your own. God paid a great price for you, so use your body to honor God. That reference is from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. It is said that above every piece of music that Bach wrote, he inscribed these words, to the glory of God. The real Christian will not be content simply to exist in life. Rather, he must really live. And the real Christian knows that the only real life comes through glorifying God. 
In another place in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he says, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So the question, have you given God your all? Suppose you were to buy a house and get the deed to it. Then as you begin to make plans to move in, the former owner of that house says to you, here are the keys to five rooms in this house. I have reserved two rooms for myself. <laughs> but you would say, hey, didn't I buy the whole house? Oh, yes, he would answer. Well, then why are you talking about keeping two rooms for yourself? And then he says, well, I, I want to keep four tigers in one room and the other I want to fill with reptiles. You would then say, listen here, fella, I thought this house was mine, but if you're going to put tigers in one room and snakes in another, I'm not going to have any part of this house. God will not come into a life either, which is only partly dedicated to him. He must have all of our heart or he'll have nothing. And this doesn't mean we'll be sinless but it does mean that the attitude of being totally committed to him is steadfast. Is there a sin in your life which you're hiding? Maybe it is the sin of gluttony, or maybe it is some other sin. There can never be real peace and contentment for you until you have surrendered it all to God. Oh God, help us, we pray today, right now, to be willing to surrender everything to you. We pray in the name of the one who came to give us freedom over every sin, Jesus Christ. Amen.